Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So I, I want to talk to you in the time that we have today on the topic of as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Now here at the Rhodes Church we get excited when we open our Bibles because we believe that it is the foundation for all truth. So if you have your Bibles, come on, let's get them out. Let's open them up to Matthew chapter 6. Yes, I missed that. I spoke a couple weeks ago in Panama City at the Lighthouse Church. Some of you may remember them. Uh, That's the church that we helped out after the hurricane. Pastor Cole and Julie uh, are there and Bailey. And so we're just thankful for them, thankful for the opportunity to go and speak there. And we, had, we got a surprise that uh, Justin and Claire, which is uh, Hillary's sister, they attended, they moved back to that area. They came for the church service there uh, to be there while I spoke. And so I did the whole thing, you know, not anticipating any type of response. But I said, you know, if, if you got your Bibles, open them up to da-da-da-da. And Justin goes, whoa! <laughs> He's the only one in the whole church. <laughs> Everybody's like... Like, yes, I bring my own hype man. That's what I do right there. <laughs> I've got them planted in the crowd. So you may be sitting to one of them today. Just drink it in. They are planted all around. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is good. Now let's pray before we get into the word. As we pray, I don't want us to pray like we're praying over the food. I want you to pray with me. Let's just pray for God to move, to speak. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you that uh, your presence is here and we welcome you. Holy Spirit, bring this word to life. Yeah, we pray for rhema. We pray for revelation, Lord. I pray for lies of the enemy to be exposed. I pray to hear your whisper and go in whatever direction you want to go and do whatever you want to do. Lord, let this all be about you. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Jesus. We're not here to entertain. We're here to encounter. We want to encounter you. We want people to see you. We want them to hear you. Lord, I want them to hear your voice. Even in things that I'm not even saying, I pray that you bring revelation into their heart. I pray they will hear the voice of God like they've never heard it before so that it will draw them to you. I love you, Lord. You're awesome in Jesus' name, everybody. Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to do my best to not preach on things I'm not supposed to be preaching about. But I've been, uh, I haven't been home in a while, so it's good to see all of your faces. Verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, it says, And when you pray, four words into it, i got to stop. When you pray. Church, we want to make sure and emphasize that we want to build a culture here of prayer. We're, I, I believe God is moving, and I believe we're seeing more demonstrations. I, see, I believe we're seeing breakthrough. I, I think God is just more tangible things are taking place. People getting saved, people getting healed and delivered, all these things are taking place because of the increase of our emphasis of prayer. So Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. So I want to invite you to some of our scheduled prayer times. You're like, well, I can pray at home. Yes, please do, but also come and pray with us. So you can pray on Saturday nights. We had prayer last night from 6 to 7. It's just music is playing. You can walk in any time during that 6 to 7, and you can leave any time. Just come in and pray. You can kneel. You can walk around. You can lay down. You can, whatever you want to do. 
It's just us coming together in unity. What are we praying for? We're praying for the presence of Jesus to come. We're praying for people's lives to be transformed by his presence when they walk in the room. That's what we're praying for, him to do what only he can do. So you can do that on Saturday nights. You can do it tomorrow night. We have eagle prayer. Or every Monday night we have prayer, but tomorrow's eagle prayer. It's a special thing we do once a month, 6 o'clock, here in the growth track room. Come and pray with us. We're just praying for breakthrough. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for our city. We're praying for our church. We're praying for our families. All of these things. Come and pray. So every Monday night, 6 to 7. Uh, every day, 7.30 to 9 if you have time. You want to come in and pray. The church is open for prayer. We're praying together. So again, when you pray, so let's build a culture of prayer. And God is going to increase more and more as we increase more in prayer. I promise you that. I promise you that. All right, so that's not what we're preaching on, but it's still good. You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. I've got to say something right here real quick. Recently, we had a Supreme Court ruling about prayer uh, for a football coach. And I saw some people criticizing, saying that's not the way Christians are supposed to pray, and they referenced the Scripture. They said, see, that's not even scriptural for them to be praying. They're supposed to be praying in private. What Jesus was addressing here, he said, they love to pray, standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. He was addressing motive, not location. He was addressing their motive for prayer, not where they prayed. Now he goes on to say, yeah, but when you pray, go into your room. When you've shut your door, pray to your fathers in the secret place, and your father sees in secret, will reward you openly. That's speaking that we need to have an individual private prayer life with Jesus. That we should go into our, door, our room and shut the door, put our phone off, and seek Jesus and his word. Spend time with just you and Jesus. But it doesn't mean I'm not supposed to pray on the street corner. It doesn't mean I'm not supposed to pray in the synagogues. It just means when I pray, I don't draw attention to myself. I draw attention to him. Free. Verse 7. And when you pray, man, Jesus emphasized three times in three verses, when you pray. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't use vain repetitions. Vain repetitions means erroneous or misused or misguided, empty repetitions. He said you pray the right way, in other words. So that's why we need to teach how to pray. It's not just praying, well, whatever you do, just pray. It doesn't matter how you pray. It matters how you pray because Jesus said it matters how you pray. He said, when you pray, don't pray this way, pray this way. So if Jesus said that, evidently there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. So come tomorrow night, Monday night, and you can get some exposure on teaching how to pray. You can also get into the word. I mean, again, this isn't a sermon on prayer, so move on, Chad. Therefore, I just, when you read this stuff, it's so good. Verse 8, therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Just because God knows what you have need of before you ask doesn't mean we're not supposed to ask. Some people get erroneously taught in the Bible that, hey, God knows what you need. You don't even have to ask for that. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's teaching about the magnitude of his sovereignty and his position. It's not talking about what I'm not supposed to do. Because the Bible tells me over and over, ask and you shall receive. Seek you, find, knock, it shall be opened to you. Ask, ask, ask. Ask that you, uh, you do not receive because you do not ask and you ask amiss, James. So asking is not the problem. Asking incorrectly is the problem. 
So he knows, but keep asking. Verse 9. I'm going to read 9 through 13 and not stop anymore. In the name of Jesus. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I read it fast, I won't stop. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well done. All right. So we made it through. Look at verse 9. Jesus said, in this manner, what kind of manner? This manner, the manner I'm getting ready to teach you, that word in this, or in this manner is all one Greek word, and it means in the following way or like this, pray. So Jesus is teaching them how to pray. He's giving them the model prayer, if you will, as the head, heading says. In this manner or like this, pray, our Father in heaven. The first thing we need to understand is we have a Father who is in heaven ruling over the earth. You have a creator God in heaven ruling over the earth. Some of the things I'm going to emphasize today, uh, if time will allow, is just reminding us that we have a Father in heaven. We have a reality in heaven that rules over the earth. We can't forget that as this society tries to move us more and more secular, more and more away from the, the religion of the Bible and the, and the teaching of the Bible. It wants us to be more and more secular and wants us to be more and more world-focused. wants us to be more and more horizontal-focused, more and more you-are-gods-focused. Oh, I jumped ahead of something I'm studying. We'll talk about that later. But there's a movement to try and make you God. And we cannot forget we have a Father in heaven who is God. I didn't get here on my own. I don't have two eyes with visibility to see and millions of nerves connected to my brain, sending a message so I can process I don't have ears, lungs, pancreas, kidneys, all of this in my body functioning, a heart that's beating over and over because I came out of a blob. It came because I have a creator Father in heaven who made me. That's just it. Even if you don't believe it, it doesn't matter. He's still there. He's still there. He's still our Father in heaven. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. Pure, consecrated. We cannot forget that the name of the Father, Yahweh, Jehovah, is holy. We get so casual in our interactions in churchianity that we forget that we serve a holy God. He's pure. No sin can even come into his presence. He's holy. People throw around things and casually talking about God. I'm telling you, he is holy. He is all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-powerful. He's omnipresent, means he's everywhere at the same time. I don't understand it. But that's why I'm not God and he is. He's God. Holy is his name. Now verse 10 is where I want to land. Your kingdom come. Notice the emphasis on your. Your kingdom come. What is a kingdom? It is a domain that a king rules over, an area that a king rules over. It is also the way the king rules or the system that the king rules by. 
So when it talks about the kingdom of God, we're talking about not only the domain of what he rules over, but also the way or the system how he rules. And Jesus said, pray this way, Father in heaven, where is Father? In heaven, pray to him, your kingdom, your dominion, your way, your system, not any other system. If we're talking about your kingdom, that means there's another kingdom. If we're supposed to pray for your kingdom to come, that means there are options. Your kingdom come. Christianity, i got to remind you this, is not just another ideology. It's not just a way of life. It's not just another theory. It is a kingdom with a king. This is why we cannot get uh, caught up in this horizontal argument that we just have another theory well, you believe your truth, I'll get my truth, and this. We don't serve another theory. We serve a king over a kingdom. This is a bringing it back to that focus on Jesus as king, not thoughts or principles about him are king. He is king. It's important. Why do you say that, Chad? Because people can embrace theories or principles about him and never embrace him. This is why people can be hateful and hurtful in the name of principles about him because they don't know him who is the source of the love that supports those principles, i.e. Pharisees and Sadducees. So there's more than one kingdom. We're praying for your kingdom to come. Your system, your way of doing things, come. Your kingdom. Specific. You got that? Whose kingdom are we praying for? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the Father in heaven. Look what the next thing he says. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Whose will? Your will. Who's that? The Father's will. Where's the Father? In heaven. So the will of the Father in heaven, your will is what we're praying for. What does that mean, your will? What you want, the way you want it done, your values. What is our source? The will of the Father in heaven. Your will. I'm not talking about what I want. I'm not talking about what anybody else wants. What I want doesn't matter. I'm praying your will, your ways, your values, your truths, your system, your guidelines. That's what I'm praying for. He's saying, your will, Exodus chapter 33, Moses said this, now therefore I pray, if I've found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, talking to God, and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Moses was talking about the nation of Israel. And he said, Lord, show me your way to rule this people. Because this nation is your people. If Moses prayed that, we need to pray that. Lord, show us your way because the United States of America is your people. It's your people. It's, these people belong to yours. All the nations of the world, they're your people. It's not just about us. It's about the entire world. So he's saying, show us your way. Your will, what does he say next? Your will be done. 
not your will be talked about, not your will, your will be suggested, not your will is just another option, but he's telling us to pray that the will of heaven be done, be implemented, come into existence to happen. Praying this, we're supposed to pray that the will of God is actually done and not just talked about. Do we believe that's possible? We'll see. Look what he says next. Your will be done. Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Okay, here's the phrase. As it is in heaven. Thus the topic. Your kingdom come. Your will, your ways, your values, your system Come, be done on earth. Comparative statement, as, as what? As it is in heaven. Notice, he talks to the Father in heaven and says, hey, what you're doing, your kingdom, your rule, it come here. So earth is the transformative object. As it is in heaven... Heaven is the model to compare to. So Jesus said, and our prayer should be, your kingdom come, your will be done here, just like it is there. So what are we supposed to pray? We're supposed to pray that the earth be like heaven. But do we believe that's possible? We're not taught that. We're taught that this earth is the evil place we're supposed to get out of. But Jesus came to be a representation of the kingdom or system of heaven. This is why it all points back to Jesus. Let me quickly go through this. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Jesus said, uh, Matthew chapter 4, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was saying, Yo, I'm here. This is the kingdom of heaven. The system of heaven, Matthew 10, he said, as you go, notice John the Baptist precluded Jesus, and then Jesus said it, and then Jesus hands the baton to the disciples, and he says, as you go preach, saying the kingdom or the system or the rule of heaven is here. That's what he was saying. So Jesus came to say, I am the flesh and blood representation of the kingdom of heaven. The system and the rule of the Father, I am He. The way things operate in heaven is the way I will do them here. What I do here is exactly what is done there. How do we know that? In John chapter 5, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son, of, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatever he does, being the Father, the Son also does in like manner. So Jesus only did what the Father told him to do, what he saw the Father doing. So on earth as it is in heaven, that's what Jesus did. So you follow the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You will see that what did Jesus do in circumstances, that is the heart of heaven for that circumstance. What is supposed to be my theological position on healing. What did Jesus do? That's your theological position on healing. 
Why? Because it's as it is in heaven, Jesus walked it out on the earth. What's most my theological position on demons? What did Jesus do when he came in contact with demons? He cast them out. Well, I just don't believe there are demons. Well, Jesus said, as it is in heaven, it will be on earth. So there are no demons in heaven. So Jesus said, there will not be demons in my area when I come in contact with them. You come out because it's on earth as it is in heaven. There is no sickness or disease in heaven. So when he came in contact with someone who need healing, he said, as on earth as it is in heaven. That's Jesus. Jesus is our model. So we cannot water down our theological construct to match our physical experience. I said more right there than maybe you got. We, we cannot begin to water down the expectation of heaven just because it's not going the way I want it to. Just because it's not working on earth as it is in heaven doesn't mean it's not the desire of heaven. Move on. So now, on earth as it is in heaven. How much of on earth as it is in heaven do we believe is possible? Here's a big one. Do we believe what Jesus told us to pray is even possible that it can be on earth as it is in heaven? Most of the time we don't. Because many years ago, this teaching came in in such a way that it was embraced by people that we were going to be zapped out of here at any moment. And so from that time, people begin to say, well, we're going to be out of here in no time, so it doesn't matter what happens to the earth. So we begin to yield territory because we weren't concerned about here, we were concerned about getting there. The problem is the Bible never taught that the purpose of humanity was to get out of the earth. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but I'm just saying the, from the very beginning in Genesis, God put man and woman on the earth to have dominion on the earth, not to escape the earth. He didn't say, I'm going to put you down here, but man, I'm going to get you out there as soon as I can. Now you can say, wait a minute, well, that's, that was then sin happened. I know, but even after sin, Jesus said, pray that the kingdom of heaven will come on earth. Pray that way. After, oh, Jesus, sidebar. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was seen by people for 40 days. What did he teach about for 40 days? You would think after he came back from the dead, he would spend time talking to people about the most important things. He did not talk to them about heaven. The Bible says he talked to them about the kingdom. What is he talking about? He's saying, kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We could get into eschatology and how God's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth and the kingdom of heaven is going to come down on the earth. But we better move on. So let me ask this. Oh, man, where does the time go? I've been gone too long. So when Jesus said on earth as it is in heaven, how many things are included in the phrase, on earth. Notice he didn't say, your kingdom come, your will be done in church as it is in heaven. That's the way the modern day church reads it. Your kingdom come, your will be done for the Christians as it is in heaven. That's not what it says. What all is included in the simple two words, on earth. 
Is it coincidental that he used the word earth? Was it an oversight? Was it a mistake? Was it a translation problem? He said, on earth. So does Jesus just mean certain parts of the earth? Does Jesus just mean certain jobs or locations? Certain days of the week? Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done for the preachers in the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done for the carpenters, for the plumbers, for the engineers, for the school teachers, doctors, any other occupations? I don't want to leave anybody out. In the schools, your kingdom come, your will be done. Are there certain categories, jobs, days of the week, or topics where Jesus doesn't want us to pray that his will be done? Does on earth include our governmental, educational, economic, and family categories? Are they on earth? See, the devil has done a good job of convincing people in the church, mind you, that there are categories, subjects, or topics where Jesus or the discussion of biblical values should not be involved. He will say, the enemy will say things that the church should not get involved with certain categories and it should just stay in its lane. Next time you hear that phrase either in your head or wherever you may hear it, you need to just stay in your lane. You said, thank you very much. I'll be glad to. I'm going to stay in my lane called the earth. The earth. What categories should Jesus speak into? The earth. What categories does Jesus have something to say about? What topics or subjects does Jesus have something to say about? Only the things that are happening in the earth. Is it a subject that affects the earth? Then Jesus has something to say about it. But the church has allowed the world to determine the boundaries of the rule of God on the earth. It doesn't say in First Opinions chapter 1, verse 5, not to talk about cultural or sociological issues in the church. But you've been taught that. But taught the church, shh, you don't talk about those areas. Just talk about going to heaven so that you don't change the earth. Why does, why does the biblical worldview... Why is the biblical worldview trying to be silenced in the earth? Why do they say, well, you can't speak to that. Stay in your lane. Don't talk about that. The only reason that's being said is because they're not stopping talking about it. How does the church have to stop talking about it? If I have to stay in my lane, what's your lane? Talking to the enemy. Because, again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. i got to move on. i got a lot to say here. Uh, so Abraham Kuyper said this, there is not one, oh, this was so good. There's not one square inch of the entire earth where Christ does not declare mine. He said, it's all mine. All areas of life or spheres of society are under the rule of Jesus. Psalm chapter 47, verse 2, for the Lord most high is awesome He is great king over all the earth. Mic drop. He's not king over all the Christians. He's not king over all the church. He's king over all the earth. He's Lord of all. Lord of all religions. He, He is King Jesus. Well, I don't believe that. I don't know. I know that's fine. You have a right not to believe it, but he's still king. 
He's still king. This is why the church has to embrace that we're not serving an ideology that we have to acquiesce and say, well, I don't want to be too forceful. Maybe your thoughts or my thoughts. Are we just say, hey, I serve Jesus. He's king over all. I'm not right. He's right. But because we thought we just embraced another option or another ideology, we acquiesce, we back up, we surrender, we yield territory because we don't want to be too pushy or whatever while the kingdom of darkness has no problem being pushy, no problem taking territory, no problem influencing people, unashamedly pushing his agenda. But the church... Psalm 103 verse 19 says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Talking about angels. Bless the Lord, all his works. This is us included. All his works in all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. Where are we supposed to bless the Lord? Only in all places of his dominion. Where are you free to bless the Lord? Only, limit yourself, please. Only bless the Lord in the places where he has dominion. Where is that? All the earth. Everywhere you go. It's not about us, it's about him. We serve King Jesus. He is Lord of all. He rules over all. But here's what's happening. And, and people will try and use the word of the enemy. I'll put it the enemy. We'll try and use the word politics to paint categories to say that Jesus' people are not allowed to talk about certain things going on in society. But what if politics affect our governmental area, our educational area, our economical area, our family area, our sexuality area? What if what if politics affects that? Is that out of bounds for the kingdom of God to speak into? If you came from that If you came from that church background, that teaching that church was not supposed to be involved in areas that affect everyday lives, I want you to understand that that was never the intent of Jesus. It was never the intent of Jesus. The church is not supposed to promote a political party or political person on the aspect of just supporting one uh, political agenda. What we're supposed to do is support a kingdom principle, a kingdom dynamic, a kingdom way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if it's a will that goes against the will of heaven, it's not my fault if I call it out. Don't call me political because I call out a will that doesn't match the will of heaven. I'm not calling out a political issue. I'm calling out a kingdom issue that goes against heaven. Does that make sense? Slow down. Calm. I was speaking somewhere and this lady came up to me Afterwards, she, she spoke broken English. She, didn't, she said it was, it was very good. I won't try and imitate her accent, but she said it was very good, but it was so fast I could not understand very much of it, but it was very good. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to try and slow down. I get excited, and I talk fast. So his kingdom rules over how much? Over all the earth. 
So let me just say this. We are a Jesus church. So therefore, we are a family church. We're an education church. We're a sexuality church. We're an economics church. We're an identity church. We're a healing church. We're an evangelism church. We're a discipleship church. We're a gifts of the spirit church. We're an everything church because Jesus rules everything. So we're not going to speak to something to support a political agenda. We're going to speak to something to support a kingdom agenda. And if it doesn't match up with a political party, we're not attacking that political party from a political standpoint. We're addressing a kingdom issue from a kingdom standpoint. This is what it's going to take to lead in the last days. Is we have to separate the principles of the kingdom of darkness from the kingdom of God and not be afraid to do it. Because if we're afraid to do it, people will be misled, misguided, deceived. We have to follow after the kingdom principles of Jesus Christ. But the enemy is going to try and cloud the issue so much that the church will be afraid to say anything about anything. When God, uh, uh, let me say this. How do I want to... Yeah, I'm going to skip some things here for a second. Um, Jesus said to pray for the kingdom or rule of heaven to come and his will and the will of kingdom of heaven to be done. This difference between the kingdom of heaven rule and the kingdom of darkness rule is not Republican and Democrat. I say that only because in America those are two major political parties, but I'm just wanting to make something very clear. There's a difference of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, and it is not Republican versus Democrat. We have to embrace this so much that if we, uh, the kingdom of heaven is based on certain principles and beliefs and system. When God set up, I'm, I'm ahead into the next part, and I'm trying to reel myself back in because that may be next week. I'll just say this, and maybe I'll go into more detail. When God set up the nation of Israel, he set it up based on principles and beliefs. And he says, we're not going to read it today, but he says, do not be like those other nations when you become a nation. He said, I'm going to set this up. And he set up, if you read Genesis through Deuteronomy, he set up guidelines into all areas of life. And he said, follow these guidelines as a nation and do not do like them. So we embrace not parties, we embrace principles and values that match the kingdom. Now, some of them may match or disagree with certain parties, and so be it. That's not my business. My business is the principles and beliefs of the kingdom. And if that aligns with some, don't call me that just because they align with me. I'm not aligning because of them. I'm aligning because of him. Now, somebody can say, well, that's just your opinion. I get it. I get it. Everybody has an opportunity. But this is how I read the Bible. There's the great separator between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness is life and death. Because listen, if, if a political party aligns their beliefs, either one, and because both Republicans and Democrats have evil issues. If you don't understand that, stay with me because it's going to get exposed more and more. We cannot put our faith in man. We put our faith in Jesus. So what happens is, um, if, oh Jesus, if, if a political party aligns their beliefs or values with the kingdom of darkness and I call it out, I'm not addressing it from a 
political standpoint, as I said earlier, I'm addressing it from a standpoint, we have to know the difference between the truth of the kingdom of God and the truth of the kingdom of darkness. So we have to be measured in how we do it. The great separator between these two kingdoms is life and death. John chapter 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. While I was gone uh, in Florida, they had the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And, uh, you know, some people were upset because we didn't address it or didn't speak to it, but you know, when I'm gone, if there's something big like that that happens, I never expect or ask our speakers to speak to anything unless the Holy Spirit leads them to do so, which I gave that liberty to do so if they wanted to. But there was no expectation or condemnation one way or the other. But I knew as pastor I wanted to be able to speak to it because I wanted to be very clear what I think God is asking his church to do in these last days is that the overturning of Roe versus Wade was not a victory for the Republicans or a defeat for the Democrats. It was not conservatives versus liberal. This is God and life versus death. So it's not something to toot your horn and say, we won like some political party. It's, It's not about, it's much bigger than that. Because it's boiling down to life in the womb. The life of that individual human being separate from the rest of that human being. That that is not just a body part of the woman like a kidney or a pancreas or a lung. That is a separate human being in a different stage of life, but it is still life nonetheless. Because anytime you stop life in whatever stage it is, it is called death. So this is why abortion, to me, is not an, a political issue. It's not an issue about supporting either party. I really don't care where either party stands on the issue. I care what Jesus says about the issue. And what Jesus says on the issue is what I want to say about the issue, where I want to stand. And so it's not his stance on the issue is not condemnation for a, for a female that's had an abortion. To say, if you've had an abortion, there is hope for you, there is peace for you, there is love for you. And it's also speaking to us as a church as I was there and I was happy to be just by the pool, minding my own business, soaking in some rays. And my phone, I tried to not, tried to not look at it at all while I was gone. That's impossible, but I tried to do the best I could. And it just kept bzz, bzz. You know, curiosity gets you. So I finally pulled up and it's like, hey, Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So I read up and found about it. And as I thought about it, put the phone back down and went back to, it's like he said, now what are you going to do? Your kingdom come, your will be. It is no time to campaign and say we won an ideology argument. We won an issue argument because that's not the way our father sees it. He doesn't see like it red versus blue or conservative versus liberal. He, He does not see that. He sees life 
and a future for them. So he's asking the church, are you just going to say, we won, or are you going to say, Lord, your will be done through us. What can we do to better help people dealing with this situation in life? How can we be an answer and not just an argument? How can we be a solution to someone in need, a crisis situation for a teenager to say, hey, young lady, how can we come along? How can we help you with resources? And how can we help you with opportunity to say, hey, there is hope in that life. How can we do more than preach about it and talk about it, but actually do something? Your will be done, Lord. So my prayer is that God use the Rhodes Church, that we will not just want to win debates of theoretical discussion, but we will say we want to apply the will of heaven into your life. Even if your life right now is not the result of the will of heaven, the will of heaven can meet you at the circumstances of your life and bring hope and restoration and resurrection life is available even if the midst of my road of life that I'm on, if we can just connect them to Jesus, all things can change when we connect to Jesus. So the challenge to me was, Chet, what are you going to do with the resources I give you? What are you going to do? And I'm looking at resources. I'm looking at resources that creativity and ideas are inside your heart to do something to make a difference in our communities. To make a difference financially, that we can make a difference, to get involved with crisis pregnancy centers, to get involved in some ways that we can do more here. What can we, what can we do, Lord? Show us how we can show the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Not just in that area, not just with abortion, with any area, with same-sex marriage or anything that we believe that this is on earth as it is in heaven. How do we help people in those situations to say, hey, come meet our Jesus. Don't come meet my theory. Come meet my point of view. Don't come meet my point of view. Meet my king. Watch what he'll do for you. Watch what he can do in your life. I, I don't agree with that. I know you don't have to agree with me, but just come and meet him. Let him touch you. Let him minister. Why do we want people to come in here? Not so they can agree with everything that I say. My prayer is that they'll meet him. They meet him. and I don't have all the answers. I thought by the time I went on vacation, I'd have all the answers, but I came back and I still don't have them. I don't know everything. I don't, I'm, I'm not 100% sure about every facet of God. He's God and I'm not. But here's what I know. We're supposed to pray your kingdom. Yours come. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.